What's up, classmates? My name is Hangua. Welcome to yet another episode of the Culture Class Podcast. If you're listening today, today we're going to be talking about these jack up home ownership and house buying prices. The market is just giving me hot pot, okay? I, I be getting scared every time I look at trying to buy a house. But we have Dr. Tori Brown here with us today. And she's going to be navigating us through what it means to, you know, buy a house, what it means to own a home, and just generally, you know, teaching us a few tips and tricks on building wealth as a black and brown person. This is going to be a really exciting conversation. So I'm super excited for it. Before we even get into anything, Dr. Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been excited about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, okay, so before we get into anything, you know, home ownership or wealth, any of that stuff, give the people a little bit of your background. Who are you? What do you do? And how did you get into this? Sure. I'll start with the, the doctor. I'm actually a licensed psychologist. People say, well, did you get an honorary degree? No, my student loans are my gray hair. So I did, I did every bit of classwork that I needed loans. to get. Yeah, <laughs> student loans a doctor. everything. I feel like, you know how you go on a job and sometimes they ask you for your certificate or your, your degree? Yeah. So like, if you don't have your degree for whatever reason, just be like, um, look at my student loan. Exactly. The student loan tells it all. You know yeah. how long, you know, it, you know, to get there. I did undergrad. Actually, I started, because I'm a first generation college student too. I didn't want to highlight oh, nice. that. Um, there was Congratulations. I feel like that's, that's commendable. Thank you. I didn't know. I, you know, when I graduated from high school, I don't know what I, you know, I just thought I was going to hang out with my mom and dad and they said no. So, you know, I had to go do some cool Big stuff. mom and dad. Nice. Yeah. I, I like that push. I didn't like it at the time, but now that I'm, you know, older and yeah. in, in the game of business, I'm glad that they gave me that push. But I did my social degree and then after I finished my social degree, it seemed like it went so quick. I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Too long, got to pay it back? Okay, let me get a bachelor's. <laughs> so I did a... <laughs> no shame in the go back to school because you're going to just push off those loans for a little bit longer. There is no shame in that at all. Keeping it 100, right? <laughs> okay. You know, no cap. So yeah, I did my... So I did double bachelor, did a master's degree in counseling, did a second master's degree in school counseling, and then I get my PhD in um, psychology. So I'm a licensed psychologist, but that's not what I do every day, you know? I I am. Um, I'm a business developer. I I, I have several titles um, because one, I, I tend to wear multiple hats. One, mm-hmm. I'm a licensed psychologist, of course, number one. Number two, I'm a business developer because I help people start businesses and grow their business. I've done that for over 25 years nice. of this business development. And then um, basically, um, my other title is I'm a lifestyle engineer. Lifestyle engineer. Lifestyle engineer. Like, we need those in, in, in your life because... Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> What is a lifestyle? I've never heard this. I've heard life coach. I've heard like, you know, things around that. But a lifestyle engineer. I like, tell me more. I, see, I coined it. I coined it. Like, nice. I don't know who, who else won, but it's only one of them. It's me. And that's, I'm training them. It's <laughs> only one. There's only one lifestyle engineer and it's Dr. Tori Brown. Nice. I'll go on record on saying that. But basically, when you think about engineering, how engineers um, design, construct, and put things together, sometimes you need your lifestyle to have that mm. same manipulation and process. And so when you look at people in the media, how they show people have a certain lifestyle, they want to be rich, they want to go to these um, hotels and Airbnbs, and they want to act all famous. They want to live the influencer lifestyle. That's right. But then you go home to bills. 
caught up. And then you put all your money for a lifestyle that's really not you. So instead of lying to yourself, let's put some plans together. Tell the people the truth. Tell them, you know what I mean? So the thing of it is, is as a lifestyle engineer, sometimes I think people pay me to holler at them, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm like, you know you shouldn't have bought that. You know you shouldn't have did that. Like, yeah. um, uh, You're you're like the accountability buddy of everyone. It's like, hey, I'm going to do this thing. And you're like, "Um, are you sure you're going to do that thing? That's right. The Ayanna Bassant of the game. That makes a lot of sense. Wow, that's really cool. So I'm hearing multiple backgrounds, um, you know, psychology, counseling, lifestyle. I feel like those two things kind of go together a little bit because, you know, you're dealing with how people perceive the world and how they perceive mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a lot to do with psychology and, and you know, having to counsel mm-hmm. people and, and guide mm-hmm. people in that way. Uh, but real estate business, it almost feels removed from all of this. So have you always just been like, you know, interested in those two separate things or did you try to find like a middle ground? And how did Great that Great question. Great question. It found me. Um, when I first started as a, um, I created a nonprofit organization. That was my first business. And when I created that nonprofit organization, I created off the preface that people, I was doing a lot of clinical work with people that was dealing with depression. And um, I think about this one client I had, and this is like my first client in which the light bulb went off. Um, I work with child protective services. They would hire, you know, bring me in as a therapist. So I had to go in the house. Yeah. And there's a lady, she was depressed. She had a baby and she had another, a, a small age child, school age rather. She, we just couldn't really get anywhere. And one day she began to, you know, you build a report because that's what you do in therapy. You build a report. So as I built a small report with her, I found out that her grandmother had this recipe for this um, cupcake. And she likes to put the cupcakes in the jar. So I said, well, um, show me what that looked like. That was one of her assignments. You know, as a therapist, we give you assignments, homework. Yeah, yeah. And you come back and you follow up. So she made these beautiful mason jar. Like one, one cupcake in each jar? Yes. Oh, she had a smash down. So cool. I'm was, imagining it, that. Like, imagine that on a party table. That's exactly. Well, she made a, she made like four of them with different flavors and mm-hmm. she showed it to me. And so she said, well, I almost didn't have my homework assignment because my neighbor wanted to buy one. I said, well, let's sell it to her. So that was the next homework assignment. You sell these to your neighbor. Next thing you know, she's getting orders. Next thing you know, I speak to her about, you know, down there, down the street, there's a market that you can get a vendor table. We get her a vendor table. So she's selling it. She's making money. So guess why she was depressed? She was broke. She yeah. didn't have self-wealth. Yeah. Self-wealth is so important. You can have self-worth, but you also got to have self-wealth. Yes. She needed to know she had a purpose. She needed to know that she could do, do something, something other than yeah. and, and take welfare and take, you know, handouts. She didn't like that about herself because she would come from a very strong family that took care of herself. She just fell on hard times and she didn't have to stay in those hard times. And so I started just applying that to a lot of my clients because I realized they was depressed because they were broke. They needed self-wealth. And so coming up with that, I'm a grant writer, former grant writer. Mm -hmm. I won't say I'm a grant writer now. Once you're a grant writer, you're always a grant writer. But the reason (laughs) I say I'm not, I get people say, well, can you write my grant for me? No. (laughs) (laughs) I left that life long ago, okay? It's the reason why I left it. (laughs) It's tedious. But I, I was very good. I'm, 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 um, you know, I, I created a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization off of that skill. Wow. So that was my first business. I created, I got laid off, went across the street and uh, became the biggest competitor of the company that laid me off. Fast. So See, now this yeah. is how you come back, okay? If they fire you, so I don't know. Don't worry about it. You just wait for me. I'm coming for you. Just wait. Give me, give me. That's, that's, oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so I became their biggest competitor four counties later. <laughs> 
Wow. Um, multi-million dollar contract. Quickly, when you create multi-million dollar nonprofit within two years, people say, how do you do that? How did well, you do I was just going to ask. You do a, a grant at a time, contract at a time, relationship at a time, community at a time. You take your step. I was determined to help people with depression. I was determined to help people be better than, than, than what. I, I love the underdog. I love to make the underdog shine. I built my nonprofit off of the value that I have for people. That just because you're poor don't mean you're less than. It just gives you an opportunity for people to see your growth and your expression of being able to pursue anything that you but can why pursue was that because so you have the resources. Do, do you why have any roots in, in, you know, sort of like getting to that realization yourself? I never see people shine. I love to help them shine. I love to prop them up. I love to see, like, I work with a lot of abused children. And, and a lot of times they were getting unfair cases with Child Protective Services. Wow. Mom shouldn't be penalized because she can't feed her kid. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be penalized because she's depressed and she can't really get out of bed. You know, I had some people that was taking advantage of the system. I can't say that. But I also had some people who just clinically couldn't do it and they just needed mm-hmm. somebody to tell them to get their ass. Can I cuss? I'm sorry. Get their butt out the bed. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and, wow. And get, get up and believe in yourself. Because you are your greatest asset. And if you don't tell you that every morning, then mm. you're going to lay there. So I was there to say, listen, I know it looks bad right now. This is a snapshot of where you're at. But I, I believe, people just need somebody to believe. Mm, if you get that one person to believe in you, you it's, it's kind of like that kid that you're showing how to ride the bike, right? Absolutely. They take the training rules. And I know you can do it. Look at you pushing that bike by your sister. And they yeah, get there. Yeah. We all need that. We all so, need that. And so that's wow. where I became important to me. I'm hearing this and I'm going in my mind. I can't even begin to imagine the kind of stories, the kind of, of, of houses, the kinds of places that you have been in, the kinds of things that you've heard, the kinds of things that you've seen in people's homes and how that, you know, impacts your trajectory. Like I'm hearing you say these things And to me, I'm like, it makes absolute sense that you're in the field that you're in, which is, you know, increasing wealth in Black and brown communities. Because my assumption is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of the work that you did was within these communities. And you're, you know, you're you're frontline. You're seeing all of the things that plague these communities first and foremost, right? And so that's... I've seen it all. Yeah. I've seen it all. I've seen all things you could do. I've Mm -hmm. seen all the excuses. I've seen all the barriers. I've seen it. I probably experienced it. I lost everything three times and came back three times. The difference is the third time I learned how to keep it. If we don't learn how to keep it, we're going to keep losing it. And guess what? Sometimes you don't bounce back. So if we, I, I did an interview not too long ago and we were talking about, mm-hmm. and I say this all the time because I had to tell myself, sometimes you got to know how to lose. Mm. You got to lose with grace. You got to lose when you're learning and you got to lose with the ability to know that this is just that snapshot right now and I will be back. You got to you you lose and then be like, the, and my life is over, everything is done. You can, but it don't help nobody. Especially if you got kids. That kid can't afford for you to say that. That kid depends on you to eat, put some clothes on your back, make sure they got a warm place to stay. So when we have talking about parents, home ownership to me is about family. It's about wealth building. It's about um, leaving a legacy. That child needs that house because that child may need to pass that house to that child, their child, Mm -hmm. and so forth. So if we're going to preserve the family, we have to create shelter for the family that's long-lasting and use that long-lasting wealth that we're creating 
and continue it on. Not just pass debt along to the, the next generation. Assets. It's the difference between debts and assets. Liability. You know what's you know? funny? You just said that because so I'm thinking in this time, you know, again, I don't know if this is just my exposure to social media and, and where I am in my life right now, but mm-hmm. everyone's talking about, you know, assets and building wealth, you mm-hmm. know, how to do that, especially for black and brown. It's 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 something that it's it's almost like the the the, the shield has been removed, right? From mm-hmm. from most people's eyes, and they're mm-hmm. suddenly starting to see the value in doing these things. Again, this is my perspective based on what I'm exposed to right now. This may not necessarily be fact. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is because when you talk about, you know, home ownership and, and tying that directly to wealth and the perception that it gives, right? If you pass down debt generations in the family, that's one. If you pass down an asset, not only like a house, not only mm-hmm. is that, you know, where the family can grow and, you know, mm-hmm. an asset that can build wealth, you know, for future generations, mm-hmm. it's also where you build culture. It's where you build community. It's how Black people, we are just, we're Black and Brown people, most of the time, we're very community, very culture, very mm-hmm. like, let's all be together. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. there's always that one house in every Black family that everybody goes to for most That's of the right. holidays. That's right. And think about what that means in terms of like translating that. It's about the house. So can you imagine? Let's take that same scenario, scenario you just proposed, right? Imagine what happens if we take the same house that everybody go to and grandma loses. What does that do to your tradition? Yeah. What does that do for your psychological space? Mm-hmm. What does it do for your hope? If grandma lost the house, does that create a fear that I don't want to get a house because I might lose it? You know, it's so much dynamic psychology. I guess I, don't, I always say I don't use my psychology degree now because I'm in business development. Ever, psychologically, I'm able to relate to a lot of people because I believe, because I'm a psychologist. Yeah. I'm able to understand what most people don't understand. And I do a lot of research and I study. And one of the things that... Um, I I believe that's important is when we look at home ownership piece is the difference between, you know, situational and generational poverty to address poverties and the barriers of it before we can psychologically get people to figure out about ownership. Okay, okay, wait, pause. So situational and generational poverty, please Mm -hmm. elaborate. Situational poverty is I had a house, I had a job. Everything was fine. Um, there was an accident. Couldn't work. Couldn't keep the job. Lost the house. That's mm-hmm. situation. Like, like you, times are hard. Generational is I never owned a house. My mama never owned a house. My mama's mama never owned a house. My mama's mama. And not just house. Generational power. Grandma didn't have nothing. Mama didn't have nothing. Child don't have nothing. You're raising a child to not have to the nothing. other. We're doing hand to mouth. We're living paycheck to paycheck. Correct. And so... Logistically, when they speak about it in the text, three generations, poverty like that is what they consider generational poverty versus situational poverty, which is a one-off occurrence. And um, essentially, when we look at and and, you know, we'll talk about the book, but I address that in the book because sometimes people don't know what's going on. They don't know. And I ask people when I'm doing, because I do um, public speaking and I'm I'm talking with people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I ask is, do you own a home? Of course. Then I ask and people don't think about it until I ask this. I said, well, did your mom own her house? Did your dad own her house? And they say, no or yeah. And when they think back, 
They'll say, wow. I've had people say, wow, nobody's in my family ever owned a house. Wow. And that, to me, how can it we build? It shapes your perspective. It shapes how it you shapes view owning a home. It, it definitely does. So you just alluded to the book, and it's called The Color of Home Ownership, um, Increasing Wealth in Black and Brown yes. Communities. A lot of the work that you're doing now is, you know, getting people to that place. <laughs> she, you're going to say surprised she's actually good. holding up the book so that we can see because we're doing this over Zoom. Um, but so with that being said, what are some of the things that you see so often as you're talking to people, as you're networking, as you know, with your clients, that is the biggest misconception or, or something that you're like, I wish I could just flip a switch and this would stop or people would stop thinking like this. I think the biggest thing is mindset. People have more excuses than of what I can't do versus what I can do. If one person person told you you couldn't get a house, how dare you sit there and not talk to five more? I'm that type of person. I'm persistent. I will do five different people until I say somebody got to find a house for me. One of the things that that I wish people understood is it's not easy. It's going to be a challenge. It's important that you do provide yourself with some information so you can be productive during the process. If you That's just important. It's, 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 some, it's some things. And, um, you know, some of the key things I want to highlight that I think people should process mentally, and we do this in our program. Um, one, DTI, debt to income. What's that? Well, if you got a $1,000 credit card and you keep a balance of $800, $800, out of a thousand dollar credit card, your utilization is 80%. Mm-hmm. But your income does not ratio wise equate to at least 50% of the okay. debt. So now you have a high DTI and therefore you're going to be least likely to qualify. So if you go to one person, because honestly, all mortgage people are not created, you might go to one person and they say, you just deny it. Well, you need to get something done with your credit. They may not be as helpful as another right. person that says, you know what? You have five credit cards with high utilization. Um, go ahead and pay those down. Let's run it again. Let's get you some credit consulting services in place. And then the other thing that someone could do is basically be able to increase their income because entrepreneurship mm-hmm. will increase your income. I knew this was going to come in here somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes, I, yes, I knew yes, entrepreneurship yes. was going. Because, I mean, that is the future, right? You yes. can't rely on uh, Uncle Sam. Is it no. Uncle Sam? I don't yeah. even know if he's our uncle no more. Is he Sam? <laughs> He don't treat us good. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if he's our uncle. But yeah, I mean, you know, hey, and this is not to say anything to those who, you know, live a comfortable life, you know, working for other people. There's definitely mm-hmm. value in finding a solid career and sticking to it, right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Kudos to those who do this in a lifetime. I mean, I hear of people who have worked the same job for 60 years and I'm like, bravo to you. You know? And they're probably but at the very same good time. At Sorry. I, hope they, I said they're probably very good at it. I said. I hope they're very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Rami, hey, 60 years, you better be good at something. Um, That's right. But at the same time, though, especially for, you know, the Gen Zs, millennials, younger mm-hmm. generations, everyone wants to start something. If it's not an influencer, like all this influencer lifestyle, these are, these are you know, self-employed. These, yep. these kids on TikTok are making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. In 99 Working for themselves. And doing all these things. So that's the path. Like, that's the future. And definitely, you know, I can see how if your income goes up, overall, your chances at most things in life go up. That's right. That's right. And, you, you know, the ten, we, I do this thing in my training where I talk about the 1099 income mindset versus the W-2. 1099, it's just a mindset. It's like we're used to independent contracting and, you know, nine to fivers 
This and I, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. Think about this: when you work nine to five, even if you jack something up all week, you're still gonna get check them. That ten ninety nine jack or something, no money coming Friday or Friday after that. <laughs> you know, until you That's, correct it. And it shifts the way you think. And like, yeah. because if you if you know that this is especially for those who do this and this is their sole job, like work for mm-hmm. themselves, and there's no other option but to do your mm-hmm. job. Oh, you will take those things seriously. Every yeah. loss will hurt that much more. And every win, you will be on the move. On the move. And then I think, too, you know, um, the support that you get from the people around you is very important mm-hmm. when you're doing an entrepreneurship thing. Because I, I would like to equate the support that you need for entrepreneurship. It's the same type of support you would need when you're pursuing homeownership. Because that? that's an asset. That's wealth building. Getting a business and asset development is another piece of that business development part that yeah. I do. But when you put these two together, it's going to need a support. And that support Absolutely. should be your family and friends, that strong circle that's going to, one, congratulate you as you're doing it. But number two, it's going to cycle back and they can do it too. And now mm-hmm. you have a friend. I always tell people, and that's just the lifestyle engineer me, I make sure my friends around me rich because don't ask me for nothing. Like, oh. <laughs> You know what, you know, you know what that reminds me of the summer trip, like summer's around the corner and everyone in their friend group is like, okay, where are we going for the summer? You know, there's always yeah. that one person in the group yeah. who's like, well, we can't get this hotel because the coin is just not adding. And you know what? And I'm sorry. I say to that type of person, we'll, we'll meet you in six months when that coin better. Because yeah. listen, why are you doing stuff and the coin ain't right? That's that lifestyle engineering, Mimi. So you get a piece of that. Oh if the God. coin is not right, What's the point of going to Vegas and taking pictures? That that place is not yours. Yeah. What are you taking pictures about a pool for? How about we work you towards a position where you'll buy a house with a pool? Now you ain't got a frost on Facebook. Snaps. That is yours. I not for that. You, you'll never, you can listen, I, I, I'll put it out there. My social media is Doctory 2.0. Mm-hmm. You'll never see me flossing on the plane that I don't own. You'll never see me flossing with an item I don't own. Lifestyle engineering is about really factual stuff. No reality, no fakeness. It's I about don't, truth. It's about truth. And and I, I I'm solid when I say that because I I live it and I speak it and I speak it and I live it. Yeah. So um, it's important that we, we if we don't talk about increasing wealth in Black and Brown communities, we really have to talk back to that mindset. What are you doing? Why are they doing? Why would you be on a budget going on a trip that you don't need to have? Why do we need to have fun when we broke? If when you, you broke, broke, your mindset should be like, how can I be unbroke? Like, exactly. I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm mentored by millionaires. I get millionaire mentors and I've had that for the last eight years of my life. And I've had a mentor recently we were talking and we were talking about our favorite um, basketball team, my favorite television show, stuff like that. And everybody called me, Doc, this Doc, what's your favorite television show? I said, I don't have it. I, I don't watch TV. I might do Netflix and I might look at binge watch something because I just want to. But as far as a favorite program, I don't have it. And the joke was, you shouldn't have a favorite program anyway if you're broke. I'm not broke, but I still don't have a favorite television show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know what? I feel like you're you're touching on something that's really important. We're going to we'll gloss over it a little bit, um, is that a lot of people who are wealthy, and when I say wealthy, I mean, you know, in the millions, right? 
their mindsets are different. They're not, you know, the time is a big deal. And I don't want to segue this whole conversation and go into, because time is a whole other conversation, right? Correct. But if you, if you start to assess how, you know, these people think, oftentimes what they do with their time has a lot to do with, you know, why they are where they are. And, you know, of course, there are people who have gotten the wealth that allows them to flex, right? And, and their time is theirs and they can do with it what they want. But to get mm-hmm. to that point, oftentimes requires you know, some very diligent, controlled um, perspective on what your time really is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when they say time is money, it really is. I think one of the things that has allowed me to become successful over the years of building is I accelerate the amount of time it takes me to make money. My multiple streams of income is based off of what time I put in. Like, to be honest with you, I don't do stuff that's time-consuming unless I want to. You know yeah. what I mean? If I want to volunteer, spend time with some ad reviews, whatever, that's free. I don't care about that. If I need to flip a property and I know it's going to take me one hour to do some paperwork and I can grab fifteen, dollars $20,000 right there, that's the work your mind get used to. Yeah, yeah. So if you do that five times a month, now you're just on a different level. So now you don't want to spend... 40 hours a week for what? Absolutely, absolutely. And some of us are out here, you know, we're struggling, we're trying to be conscious about where our time is going and we're mm-hmm. trying to think these millionaire mindset thoughts mm-hmm. and we're trying mm-hmm. to buy a house. Mm-hmm. But then these prices are like, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. first of all, why are why is the housing market so expensive now? What's going on? Well, what happened is during the pandemic, um, let's, let's, let's go back because I've been, I've, I've, this will be my third recession. The, the first one was in the 90s. The second was 2008. And we're coming on what they call market correction um, versus a market crash. And what happens in the crash versus the, the correction? What happens when the market crash, it, you know, you see where jobs, everything happened at the same time. You've seen a little bit of it when the pandemic first hit and everyone, you know, was unemployed at the moment. It was yeah. every, a lot of uncertainty and just the market crashed, the stocks crashed. Um, kind of like when 9-11 hit, everything crashed, went down and then effect. Well, what happens is when you have a market um, um, correction, it declines slower, 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 and inflation happens. So that's why you will see stuff like um, gas, even though they talk about the war, which, yeah, that has a lot to do with you're talking mm-hmm. about the gas. You're oh talking about um, bread. gas you prices thinking, just have me in my, all my feelings. Well, look at the, well, what about Walmart? You music can get bread for $2, now it's 4 or 5 for milk, eggs, $3. So it's the little stuff. It's the it's the food and the commodities that you have that increases. Well, what happens is when the market first um, when the market first crashed, interest rates were down. Mm-hmm. I actually built the house from the ground up last year. Right at the I do I do weird stuff because I'm used to the market corrections and stuff. I've been doing it three times. When the market crashed, I did like a couple good things. Like one, I bought um, real estate at good interest rates. I actually mm-hmm. built um, my mom a home the ground up and that thank you that was one thing um because the interest rate i think i want to say we got that on the interest rate in two and a quarter something like really really low so are you saying then that when the market crashed things are expensive but the interest rate to get a loan for an expensive house would then be significantly lower than if it was the opposite well kind of opposite what the crash does is just to walk you through the season of how it happens when the crash happens, everything goes low, kind of like the uh, interest rates. Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about interest rates versus prices, mm-hmm. gas and food, stuff like that. The interest rates are low. So now, um, what my financial advisor always 
taught me a long time ago, when stocks are high, bonds are low. When bonds are low, stocks is high. So when you look at that, when 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 the pandemic first hit, and I actually, I, I do, I trade um, stock. I actually bought a whole bunch of stocks. I mean, honestly, I bought a whole bunch of like party sit and it was like pennies on a dollar. Then it shot up because, you know, the pandemic was over. So when the crash happens, it, well, we, we didn't see a crash yet. What we saw was the slow decline correction, they call it. And so now when things got more under control, yeah, what you saw is the interest rate are going up and prices are going up. So now it's like an airplane and a helicopter taking off from the same pad. Something's going to mm-hmm. happen. You got interest rates going up and you yeah. got the housing rates going up. What goes up must go down. Yeah. Yes. So now we're headed towards a recession. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Because it's going to go so high to a point where people just can't afford it. And so there's not going to be any, no one's making any money because nobody can, can afford what is being asked. The market has to correct itself. It happens every eight to 10 years. The market corrects itself. Well, we're well overdue for a market correction. So we're long overdue. Mm-hmm. So what happens is now when the market does crash or recession, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is real estate is going to go really, really low. <laughs> so this is what happened in 2008. When my... That's how when I built my first real estate portfolio, I spent time building up my assets, my my liquid dollars, money. And then what happens is when the market dropped, houses that was normally half a million dollars, $150,000. So now you can go shopping. It's like you get the money. So so, so are you saying now that hold off until the market drop? Is that going to happen anytime soon? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm actually saying the opposite. I'm saying purchase a home now. When because that's okay. the asset. Oh, that so it's going to appreciate. Asset. Well, you're going to stay there a while, right? Buy it and hold it. It's going to appreciate eventually, but it's going to drop before it appreciates. Okay. Because what you're going to do is use that first house to get access to additional house, mm-hmm. which is an investment property. And you're going to rent that out. And then you're going to oh. do it again and again. And you're going to create money. You, you get what I'm so saying? You're going to get Don't be scared of these high prices. It's just, it's if you're thinking about it the right way, it's a big opportunity to build, you know, a lot more wealth than just what the house would cost. Let me tell you why. They're practically giving away houses, interest rate-wise. Wow. The best movie that I could tell you somebody to watch to tell you what's going to go down is it's an old movie, but it's great information. It's called The Big Short. Oh, The, the Big, Big Short. Short they won an Oscar, right? I think. It did. It should. It tells what happens in The Big Short, which I loved it. When I teach my classes, I use that as a breakdown for my, my students. But what happened is you have mortgage companies lending to everybody, whether you can afford it or not. So what happens is they least likely that you're going to, this is how the banks say. You're not going to be able to, so we're going to be able to sell our houses on pennies on the dollar, get an insurance claim on the houses because those houses are high risk. So they get PMI, mm-hmm. the insurance um, uh, insurance thing that you get on ATAC, I don't know, another $100, $200 of PMI, which wow. is insurance. House, they didn't lose no money. They're going to write that off as bad debt. They're going to get a file just like you lose your cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. But they get a new phone because, they, you know, the insurance claim. So yeah. insurance claim is going to pay the bank. So what the bank do is, Lend out all these dollar loans, and then they sell them, and they call those shorts. You know what I mean? And so they're making money on the stocks with those houses. So what I'm saying is, beat the game, buy the house now. While you really do, you deserve to qualify. You might not, but get it. But create a business on top of that mm-hmm. that's going to give you the revenue you need to sustain yourself to stay in the property. Yeah. That's why 
with my program, we teach home ownership and then investment property um, programming. So when you when we get you in the house, we help you turn around and get financing for an investment property. So now you got four or five doors, building an extra thousand dollars a door mm-hmm. a month. That's five thousand a month coming in. You hire a, a property management company to manage it. They're gonna take care of everything. They're going to take their 10 to 15% cut, and then they're going to give you a check each month. All you got to do is be proficient, knowledgeable in the game of real estate. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity out there, you know, um, for people like first-time buyers. um, And and, before I even get into that, so this opportunity, it sounds like you build your liquid cash, right? Your, your, your money and you go ahead and purchase a house. And whatever the situation is, you get yourself in the door. But for people who have oh, non-traditional... Let me put a pin there. Sorry to interrupt you because I wanted to... Building cash, meaning take care of your debts. Mm. Because it's not important that you don't have cash. You're buying a house. As long as you have the cash that's a down payment. And if you're doing an FHA, you're only putting down 3%. So if the house is, you know, if it's 3% of 100000 you're only putting down 3000 for a no, loan. Yeah. They're giving these loans away. Conventional, wow. FHA. There's not so much first-time home buyer programs as they should be. They are They are out here. But at 3%, oh, you yeah, get that property. Yeah. Get a do. See, we, here's my set again. People want their dream home the first day out. Oh, no. That's me. Oh, oh. Who, who else? <laughs> but see, a townhome could be a dream home because it's yours. Yeah. A condo could be a dream home because it's yours. You can get some nice three-two townhomes, condos. Start there. It's yours. You own it. And then, because here's the rules of investment property. As long as you have a primary, mm-hmm. I promise you, every property you get after that is easier. It's just investment property. Yeah. So now you keep your credit at 750 760 is marinating. Now cash is king. You know what I mean? But credit is the queen. Mm. <laughs> you know the queen. The queen is over there, over the king. That's for sure. That's right. But to the same, she black or brown, black or brown, black or brown, <laughs> and you put the black and brown king and queen together. Now you got a portfolio that wow. you can use. So if times get bad, pull equity out the house and pay your bills and wait for times to get good. Wow, absolutely. Okay, so we just talked a little bit about what it means to be a first-time homeowner, and like. You're absolutely right in saying that when you get your when you start that first primary property, everything else is gonna feel easier. I mean, even just the process, because you learn a lot, right? Going through that first round, I guess, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. but what other like tips do you have for people who are in the market for a home for the first time, especially for people who maybe don't have like traditional jobs? Well, we our program, um, we you know, we address that. We address in our program for tips for people that I give in my program is Let's deal with your credit. That's one of the first things we deal with. We yeah. deal with taking them. We work with a partner company and they work with dealing with the derogatories and actually telling you what you need to do so we can get you. The interest rate is going to be better if your credit score is 720 or above. I know they say prime is 620. We don't do that in our program. We say 720 above. That way we want you to get the best interest rate. Yeah. And, and then um, once you get that credit in position, now long as your income, and here's the thing, we have on our website, we have affordability tax, and you can plug in your, 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 how much you make. So if you mm-hmm. make $20,000, I told my son, he, when he worked at McDonald's at the time, I said, you give me two years of a W-2 and I'll make sure you have a house by the time you're 21. Why? Because long as you have a W-2, two years in income, mm-hmm. that means you're working, right? You qualify for a house. 
Now, it may not be this million dollar house you got your eye on. Uh, 80000 or 109000 is yours. You don't have to, you, you're not paying somebody else's rent like a landlord. So now you you got that and then you can build from there. So that's one of the tips is don't be afraid to 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 start with humble beginnings. And yeah. you may have, it's some nice, it's some nice. I mean, I it's some nice kind of dude. And my first was a three, two, you know, um, and it was, it, it was so much space because it was just me at the time, but just, yeah. you know, fresh into college. And I, you know, I, wow, I, you I, bought I, your first condo in college. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, and I didn't realize this. I was, I was talking with a friend of mine, she and I both, we, we purchased our first home in our early twenties. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that people didn't do that because we bought it in our early Yeah. 20s. Yeah, you see my like, shock. I'm what? College? <laughs> I've been out of college yeah. five years now. And I start, I'm so just now starting to look into buying a house. People, you know, I hear that people say that. And I think for us is, I, I won't say it was, it was, uh, to me, it was somebody that pushed me. I didn't know. Uh, I mean, I remember rolling into one of my, uh, he's a good friend of mine now, but he was a mortgage loan officer. And I rolled in there with my little 640. I was like, man, I'm getting out. And he was just like, mm, you need to fix your credit. He said, you can qualify. But if you do something, get your credit fixed up, we can get you a better interest rate. So I, I listened. All direction is good. I listened. And a year later, he got me to like a 740 something. And I saved about 300 some dollars a month just waiting because we deal with the credit. Um, I made sure I was responsible, physically responsible, paid my debt, paid my credit cards, um, and made sure that even if I access like a $5,000 credit line, mm-hmm. uh, I um I made sure I didn't use $100 or $200 or $500. I didn't go on fancy vacations and just stuff like that. Like if I did, I, I made sure I could afford it. If I did, I might have paid it off. Um, so yeah, in the early earlier 20s, um, I did a lot of stuff. Oh, I, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, I feel like you figured yeah. out all the things yeah. that... <laughs> There's not yeah. there's not much that could potentially hit you now and you'd be like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Yeah, because it's it's like I I I I'm able to help people through it because I've experienced it. Like I say, yeah. I mean, we I went from a multi-million dollar nonprofit when people say, Well, how do you do that? And I created another company, which became a consultant company, which I actually provided business development services for professional athletes, entertainers, and record labels. And so my job was to create um, a business and fund. So like, um, say, for example, a basketball um, celebrity, of course, we know when the son gets to the NBA, mama want this and that and that, and sister want this and that, and cousins want this and that. Everybody come out to do the work, right? And so what we did was create corporations. With the family, we gave them jobs, but we gave them their own business and we created funds for them. Therefore, he wouldn't get hit with gift tax because he's giving out fifty and eighty thousand dollars at a time, and they won't be hitting his pocket in case he in case he break his leg, and then there's yeah. no more superstar. And then what, mom and daddy and cousins go do? And so, um, I started creating self sustainability systems within my professional athletes, uh, entertainers as well, to wow. make sure we guarded them. And then, you know, once I went into that, um, it just was like more so me growing as the you know, lifestyle engineering, helping people. I, I wanted to help everyday people live like rock star. Like, That's I'm just that. an everyday person. I'm and an you know what, though? I think, you know, the rock star lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean that you're in Vegas every weekend or you're taking trips to Chicano. The rock star lifestyle means that you're being fiscally responsible. You're doing the things that you're supposed to do. You're having fun in your own backyard if you need to. And you're just yeah. happy and, and living a good life. That's the rock star lifestyle. That, and it's about energy. And you're building wealth. Building wealth. 
I don't I don't need a trip to Vegas to make me happy. I can be happy right here in my room. I can go to my garage and be happy. I can go to my backyard and be happy. Um okay, some people do, people need, who do need to take vacations, but just make sure you're doing it responsibly. Responsibly. Like for example, like I've seen people on Facebook and you've seen this too. Yeah, in Vegas, I keep picking on Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas, they having a good time. And then, no shade. But then the next post a month later is, child, I can't pay my, my car, no. I can't do this, I can't do that. It's There's like, a whole Netflix documentary on it. Is it? The Tinder Swindler. Oh, wow. Have you seen, oh, you should watch this. This man is a con man extraordinaire, conning girls out of their money, taking all these lavish trips and flying in private jets here and there and living the rock star lifestyle on other people's dimes. That's wow. But you know what? Look at the psychology. A type of person lets someone live on their dime. Is that person really physically responsible? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I was, I'm asking myself the question, like, you're sending this money to this person. Like, are you really doing this? But anyway, that we can we can go into that's a, that's a whole nother, yeah, that's, that's a whole, whole other thing. thing. Um, but we but have to be good. physically responsible all the way because here's the thing. People hate borrowing money from me. I think I stopped that a long time ago. Now I think about like, it. Like, don't ask me nothing. I, no, you know what? I want to, if you, okay, if you bold enough to ask me to borrow it, I'm bold enough to ask you, one, what you want it for. Number two, mm-hmm. why didn't you have it yourself? And number three, Okay, I'll be the bank. You know, you ask the bank for a million dollars, he don't want to know you know, the credit score, he gonna need to know. Yeah, I'm like the bank. You wanna know, I wanna know when it's coming. I'm, What's I'm, for me? I'm adding at least like five percent on top of that for my convenience. Correct. So it's best like no, I better just build entrepreneurs and millionaires around me. So you won't ask me. I like for that. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. You, either you gonna drag me down or I'm gonna bring you up. You know what? Up is better. <laughs> <laughs> up is let's both be going up. Um, Dr. Tori, I am super like happy about this conversation. This has been a breath of knowledge. Um, your experience just shines through and how you talk about it, your passion for it shines through. So, um, I'm really blessed that you are leaning into your purpose and I'm sure that, you know, our classmates who are listening are like, what? Tell us all the things. So indeed, tell us all the things. Where can people find you? Um, how can we get the book? Um, you know, Instagram, you know, all the deets. All the deets, deets. Okay. So I am on Instagram, Facebook. Um, my social media tag is at Doctori, D-O-C-T-O-R-I 2.0, because I'm the best version of myself. So I'm at 2.0 now. So I'm Doctori 2.0. Um, <laughs> we're at Web 3.0 now. I'm a, I'm also a web developer. I have a, I own an IT company. So we um, we develop software. What do you not do is the question. Well, just... here's the thing. We're talking about wealth building, right? Have an equity position in anything that interests you, but you don't necessarily have to be an expert at. Mm. I make money as an equity position with that company, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to code anything. I just make sure I hire people that know how to code. I come up with the great ideals and they code and we sell it. So I use it. Remember, it's about time and money. Mm-hmm. It takes me, I don't know, I want to come up with an idea. I hire somebody to execute it and then... I hired somebody to account for it and tell me how much money we're going to make. So always have an equity position in a company. You got a friend who has a skill and you have no desire skill, but you have desire in their profit from that skill and they don't have money. Create a a partnership agreement and create an equity position in their company. So you own and when they, as long as they make all the software, I still get an equity position cut. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're not like researching how to do all these things now, I don't know what you're doing. Okay. 
<laughs> this is just being factual right now. It's um, a game. It's a free game. So. I mean, the way you talk, it just makes one want to get up and like do, you know? Just get up and do. We should. We should. I, I mean, I, I love it. The, the other book that I want to share, you know, right quick to share with you is the first book I wrote during the pandemic is called Acid Reflux, How to Stomach This Economy. Mm. And I wrote this in the middle of the pandemic. But what happened is when I wrote this book, people followed it and I created 47 new homeowners during the pandemic. Wow. I didn't try to. It just happened. They followed good directions and they became homeowners. So I said, ah. So that's when I wrote this book, The Color of Home Ownership, because if they can follow my blueprint on how to become a real estate investor, they can surely follow my blueprint on how to become a homeowner and do both at the same time. So both of these books are available on anywhere you buy books. Amazon, uh, Books A Million. Um, it's on ebook, Kindle. It's everywhere. All you have to do is type in these titles and Dr. Tori Brown, and you can, you know, you can find me online um, at www.drtorybrown.com. Okay. So that's my Is a doctor in the website, uh, is it a doctor spelled out or... Yeah, it's spelled out. No, no, it's spelled out D-R. D-R. D-R-T-O-R-I-B-R-O-W-N.com. That's one site for my brand. The second one for my nonprofit organization is FreshCommunityDevelopment.com. All right. I'm sorry. It was the direction. So FreshCommunityInc.com. F-R-E-S-H-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y-I-N-C.com. So between those... Those is where you find me. I have great programs, the Home Ownership Program. Well, it's called the Home Ownership Depot. The information for that is on those sites. And then I have the Ownership Depot, which yeah. is on that site. So um, you can hit me up on social media. I'm on IG. I'll go live sometime. I tell people go live with me. Let's chop it up. Listen, I may not be the least expensive choice, but I am the best choice. You know what <laughs> I mean? So I like I, the confidence. It's like, come with your coin. But we're going to have some good conversations. Come with your coin. Come <laughs> with your coin. Um, but I, I get free game on social media, though, because I like to see people elevated. And this is my way to give back. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Tori, I am super excited and thankful that you had a chance to talk with us today. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise. And definitely, you know, this this has been a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for leaning thank into you. your purpose. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that's it for this episode, classmates. I will see you in the very next one. Um, you should start thinking about owning a home if you don't already. And you know who to look for when you start that process. We'll see you next time. Bye.